In this week's episode of Farmers Inside Track, we're connecting with a phenomenal woman in agriculture. Rentia Manuel, CEO of Growbox, a wholesale nursery in Hanover Park in the Western Cape. And later in our agripreneurship slot, MC Luke, the Senior Manager of Agribusiness at Standard Bank, chats to Dawn about the idea of using diversification as a risk management strategy. Are you in need of great Mzanzi-inspired recipes to fit your summer cravings? Well, you're in luck. This week, Danae Vermeulen, foodie and Yay Baby Digital Systems Leader, shares her secret to a perfect home-cooked South African meal. You'll also be empowered with a top tip from nutritionist Andrea Duplessis. Right after that, we head over to our book of the week. And on top of our reading list this week is Lessons from an African Entrepreneur by Ian Minto. Now, the book is described as a practical guide for entrepreneurs wanting to start their own trading business in Southern Africa for the first time. And of course, our weekly AMT Fresh Produce Outlook on the Market with agri-economist Dr. Johnny van der Merwe. He highlights the latest price movements and expectations for the coming week. This is Farmers Inside Track, supported by Food for Mzansi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. Hey Mzanzi, welcome to episode 46 of Food for Mzanzi's weekly podcast called Farmers Inside Track. I'm your host, Dawn Numdu, and you're listening to South Africa's leading farmers podcast. And I'm Duncan Vasua. To kick the show off, this week our farmer interview takes us to a wholesale nursery in Hanover Park in the Western Cape, owned and managed by Rentia Manuel, a real move and shaker in agriculture. Rentia, your business grow box was started under somewhat desperate circumstances. Tell us about how it all started for you. Growbox started in 2016. And it was sparked by pure desperation of me struggling and having to feed my four children. I was unemployed at the time and could not find work. And out of pure desperation, I started a food garden in my own backyard. And that worked out so well because the kid would literally harvest their own supper from the backyard. By chance, I saw an article for Youth Start where they were looking for unemployed youth to submit business ideas that would create employment but also impact the communities that they came from. My submission to Youth Start at the time was I wanted to start a nursery within Anova Park. But all through the competition, they kept emphasizing find your niche and find what makes you unique, but also with an emphasis on social impact. So I thought, how could a nursery impact communities like the one that I come from? And then looking at our circumstances, I saw that many households had no spaces to grow their own food. Many of them did not have a piece of land available. They were living in someone's backyard or they were living in a flat. So how will we take food resources to people who had none so that they could grow their own food? And that was basically the inspiration and the drive for Growbox. You entered the Youth Start Cape Town Entrepreneurial Challenge and won third place soon after you started growing veggies in your backyard. What did this win mean for your agribusiness? And tell us about some of your other highlights. The prize money for third place for Youth Start was 5,000 Rand at the time. With that prize money, I registered the company. I bought a second-hand computer because I didn't have one at the time. And I bought my first startup stock. 
which meant that I could literally start growing. And that prize, especially the third place, it was the validation that I needed that my idea was not as crazy as it sounded in my head. Since then, I was selected for the Red Bull Amapika Social Entrepreneurship Program. I got third place for the Race Corp Engine Pitch and Polish in 2017. I got second place for the Samsung Global Startup Accelerator. And I was also chosen as a South African ambassador to the Samsung head office in Seoul in South Korea. And I got to meet other social entrepreneurs working in Seoul. I achieved third place for the OWIF Accelerator program in 2018. And I was chosen as a finalist in the Inco Impact Woman Entrepreneur of the Year Award in 2019. And that finals was held in France. And I was the winner of the Samtam Fair Lady Woman of the Future Awards in the Social Entrepreneurship category in 2019. The idea of the veggie boxes was built around increasing food security within informal settlements and low-income households. How has your initiative changed people's lives? Crowbox is a social enterprise, so yes, we do sell veggie boxes. But it's sold through our two-for-one business model, which means that for every two boxes sold, one box will be donated to a beneficiary. But it's also the workshops that we provide with these boxes. It's not just giving a beneficiary a box and telling them, there is a box, grow your own food. It's empowering them with the necessary skills that they need in order for them to grow their own food in a sustainable way. We actually take them on a journey, on a food growing journey. We cover things like soil nutrition, seed catching, making your own fertilizer, growing food from used food, recycling, water saving techniques, even homemade pesticides. So it's starting household on a food growing pathway and that is the whole idea behind it. To date we have partners with NGOs, corporates, schools and even ECD centers and I'm proud to say that we have reached over 600 households directly and more than 2,000 households indirectly. And these totals are growing quarterly. Rensha, you've really made a name for yourself in this agri-industry, but the journey is far from over. What's your plan for the next five to ten years? I wouldn't say I've made a name for myself in the agribusiness. No, I think it's quite far from that. Very, very far. What I can say is that maybe that I've surpassed the crawling stages and that Growbox is just starting to walk independently. I think perhaps that statement is true, but I wouldn't say that I've actually made a name for myself. I think that's quite far from it. Perhaps once we've completely dominated the Western Cape and reached neighboring provinces like Northern Cape, Eastern Cape, even Gauteng, once I think we've penetrated the rest of South Africa, then I could say that I've made a name for myself. But I think it's far from that plans for the next five to ten years a flat pack range that's definitely i'm busy with it now penetration into the retail nursery sector i'm busy with that too and reaching that goal the 10-year goal of impacting 10,000 households through the workshops and the work that we do for low-income households that's a definite that's the plans for the next few years and then some quirky questions what can you talk about for hours 
this crazy journey called entrepreneurship. People see me on TV interviews and in newspaper articles and they think I've made it. <laughs> and that I'm famous and it's all sunshine and roses and it's quite far from the truth. This journey is hard. It requires dedication, perseverance, tenacity. It requires sleepless nights and problem-solving skills and a supportive community. I can say that I was a complete introvert starting off. I never spoke much during the first year of this entire journey. But I've learned that you can't get very far by being in a bubble and that you have to speak up and make yourself known and ask questions, ask a lot of questions and absorb as much as you can. I've made a lot of mistakes and I have learned so much and... What I can say is that I had and I still have a great support team of mentors, social entrepreneurs and advisors that is backing me all the way through the good and the bad. What I can talk about for hours is this crazy journey <laughs> called entrepreneurship. And then my last question is, can you describe your life with a six word sentence? My first reaction to this was, the sentence that I use for everything that I do, whether it's an application or a submission or a proposal, I always think, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> Let's say they give you a rejection. It's only a rejection. What's the worst that can happen? That's usually my first thought, but it's such a negative thought. What's the worst that can happen? So I think to turn that sentence into something more positive, I'm looking at my clock right now and it says, Grace, I am, I can, I will. I think I'll turn what's the worst that can happen into a grace. I am, I can, I will. That was Rentia Manuel, CEO of Growbox, a wholesale nursery in Hanover Park in the Western Cape. Right, coming up shortly, the latest movements in the fresh produce markets. But first, MC Luke the Senior Manager of Agribusiness at Standard Bank talks about the idea of using diversification as a risk management strategy. Hi MC, how are you? Hello Dawn, I'm fine and you? I'm good, thank you. So happy to have you back with us. Maybe we can kick off with just a quick recap of our last discussion, focused predominantly on innovation and considering ways and means to do things outside of the farm gate, also exploring new markets and new avenues for people who's running their farms and agribusinesses. Yes, Dawn. We've looked at our farm gate income and the role it can play in a farm business. We've looked at partnerships and the role that can help to assist you if you don't have all the skills in your business. We've also looked at um, off-farm investment opportunities. Now, today we're talking about diversification as a risk management strategy. MC, maybe you can maybe start by explaining how it works. So the main reason for diversification is to reduce the risk in a portfolio. So how does it exactly work? It's a bit theoretical, but let me explain. So let's start with a return on assets. A return on assets is a net profit divided by the value of the assets utilized to generate that profit. We also call it ROA. The next one is risk. So the risk is a variability of the return on assets. So to what degree does it increase or decrease from season to season? You would like the return on assets to grow over time whilst the risk is held constant or you want to reduce the risk over time without a decline in the return on assets. So with diversification, 
you include more than one income stream or a profit stream to form a portfolio of streams. And the rationale is that the variability or the risk on the return on assets of the total portfolio should be lower than the ROA of any one of the individual streams that makes up the portfolio. This can be achieved when the return correlations between portfolio assets is less than positive one. So let me explain it around the correlation. So when the correlation is one, it means that the profit streams are perfectly correlated. So if the one increases, the other stream will also increase more or less with the same percentage. If the correlation is positive 0.5, they are less correlated, but still positive. So both streams will increase or both streams will decrease. However, if they are negatively correlated, it means that as one profit stream increases, the other will decrease. In that scenario, the return on assets of the total portfolio is less variable. You therefore have less risk in the portfolio. Now, MC, can diversification be taken too far? You will also hear companies say, we have realigned our strategy to focus on our core business. And they say that right before they unbundle or sell a part of their business. This happens where the business is unable to unlock the envisaged synergies, where they are unable to achieve that reduction in risk that we've talked about. If we apply this to agribusiness, it is where the management capacity has reached its limits. It often happens where enterprises are highly seasonal and where the management intense periods of these enterprises are overlapping. Operations would then opt to substitute one of the management intense enterprises for a less management intense enterprise. Where the business tries to leverage geographical diversification often means that the cost structure is duplicated, especially where the operation is too far apart and tractors and equipment cannot be shared. The complexity of managing such a business also increases and it might become too difficult to manage it. A third reason is why the diversification can be taken too far, where the complexity of business model results in a conflicting strategy direction for the group. Examples of this is where the correct transfer pricing between entities adjacent in the value chain needs to be determined. For example, if you have a feedlot and an abattoir in the same group, where do you make the profit? In the feedlot or in the abattoir? The one entity could be subsidizing the other, hiding inefficiencies in the value chain. Or do you allow both entities to operate independently with market-related transfer pricing, facing unfavorable trading conditions on their own? Thank you so much, MC Luke. A senior manager for agribusiness at Standard Bank. Is there anything that you'd like to add in closing? We have reached the end of the discussion, specifically around the diversification strategy. Diversification strategy can be an important tool in terms of risk management in your business, but it can be taken too far if applied incorrectly and given the limitations in management or in resources. Thank you so much for joining us once again here on. Uh, food for Mzanzi. Uh, we've really enjoyed our discussions with you and everything of the best that you work with the work that you're doing. Thank you very much, Dawn. Thanks for joining us, MC Luke, Senior Manager of Agribusiness at Standard Bank.
Wow, Mom, why did you put on this chicken? Well, I was trying a new recipe using grain-filled chickens. Oh, Mom, this is amazing. You can't go wrong with 100% South African farm-quality chicken. With a range of fresh, frozen and marinated products, make grain-filled chickens your number one choice. Grain-filled chickens from the farms of the Free State. Need we say more? If you want quality, ask for grain-filled chickens at a leading store. Grainfield Chickens. Bring home the taste. Visit grainfieldchickens.co.za Now for some innovation from the farms that feed us. Singeta recently launched a new product called Moravis Dio, which controls early blight in potato that is generally caused by a fungus. Andrea Lepischkachny, the campaign lead for potatoes and subtropical fruit at Singeta South Africa, tells us more about this product. Sangeta has just launched a new product called Maravis Duo, which controls early blight in potato that is generally caused by a fungus and negatively impacts overall yield by reducing the plant's photosynthetic capacity. Now joining us today on Farmers Inside Track is Andre Lavaskagni, the campaign lead for potatoes and subtropical fruit at Sangeta South Africa, to tell us more about this new product. Hi, Andre. How are you doing? Very well, thanks. And you, Don? Before we get into all this new product, a bit about yourself. What does your job entail at Singeta? And also just a bit about your journey in agriculture. I grew up in, in a farming community, so I've been in agriculture ever since. So after university, I joined a small R&D company that does some research on new products. And then I moved to a fertilizer company for a few years. After that, I joined the Potato Seed Growers Association. And then I started with Syngenta in March. So I've been around the block in a lot of the facets in terms of the agricultural supply chain. And what I do now is I'm the campaign lead for potatoes and subtropical fruits. So my portfolio, I look after all the products that we use on potatoes and subtropical fruits. So agriculture is in your blood and veins. Is. <laughs> <laughs> so more about this product. Early blight is a huge headache for potato farmers. Please can you put this disease into perspective for us in terms of its impact on yield? Early blight is a disease that is prevalent in most areas where we grow potatoes and it's especially a big problem where we grow potatoes under irrigation in the warmer climates of South Africa. Now yield losses of up to 60% have been noted but the average accepted norm is about 20% yield loss that we get. Now, this will depend on a lot of factors, including what variety the farmer planted, what is his farming practices on farm itself, and also at what growth stage the potatoes are when it gets infected. So if we work at, let's say, a 20% yield loss due to the early blight at the potato price of 40 rand per 10 kilogram bag, that's a loss of about 40,000 rand per hectare. Wow. So Syngenta has recently launched Moravis Dio. Why is this product needed for potato farmers in South Africa? Moravis Dew is one of the products out of the new Adepidine range of Syngenta. So we are very excited about the launch of specifically of Moravis Dew because it gives excellent protection against early blight for a long period. Dew, the product name, indicates that they are two active ingredients. Can you briefly explain what these are and why these two ingredients are needed to prevent and control early blight? So the first active ingredient is the adepid that I just told you about. You know, adepidine is a very high activity at a low dose rate. So it gives very good control of early blight for a very long period. Now, it gets taken up 
by the wax layer of the leaf very quickly, and then it creates a reservoir which gives the lasting control of, of the disease. The other active in there is diphenaconazole. Now, diphenaconazole is a well-known active that has been used for a couple of years now, and it controls the disease by another mode of action than adepidine, which makes results in, a, in another frac group for resistance. Now, other than adepidine, diphenaconazole has got a translaminar activity, and it's, it moves rapidly through the, the plant cell, so it moves quicker through the plant tissue. Diphenaconazole can also control the early blight after it has been infected, the plant has been infected. Now, these two products complement each other so well that it makes a winning recipe in a single product. Andre, what determines the success of a spray program when it comes to this product, Maravas Duo? Although I mentioned that diphenaconazole offers some control of early blight after infection, it is very important that Maravas Duo is applied preventatively. So in other words, before the plant gets infected by early blight. Now, in order to get the best value out of this exciting new product, it is important that the spray program is adapted in order for the Maravis due to be applied before the highest risk period is in terms of early blight. You've just given us a breakdown of what this product does and what it aims for and how farmers can use it. Where and how can farmers also learn more about this product if they want to find out more? So the product is already available at all the Syngenta dealers throughout the country, but growers are also more than welcome to contact their local Syngenta sales manager, or they can visit our website, and the address is www.syngenta.co.za. Andre, I want to thank you once again for your time. It was great chatting to you, and I know a little bit more about early blight and what to do to protect if I ever decide to venture into potato farming, but I'm sure our farmers have also enjoyed it as much as I have. Thank you so much for your time and everything of the best with your work at Syngenta. Thank you, Don. Thanks for the opportunity. That was Andre Labaskagni, campaign lead for potatoes and subtropical fruit at Syngenta, South Africa. From Farm to Fork, right here on Farmers Inside Track, we are now joined by Danae Vermeulen, a foodie and year baby digital systems leader who shares her secret to a perfect home-cooked South African meal. But of course, you'll also be empowered with a top tip from our nutritionist, Andrea Diplessy. My secret to the perfect South African home-cooked meal is none other than fresh garlic. When you add garlic to a meal, it enhances all the other flavors and it makes a dish come to life. I'll forgive anyone with garlic breath because at least I know they've got good taste. Hi, it's so good to be back and to chat a bit about garlic because it's really a wonderful food to eat, but it has lots of health benefits, especially now as all of us are trying to prevent catching cold or flu. Now, garlic is probably one of the most well-known of all the immune support foods. Inside garlic, there's a healing ingredient or component called allicin. This is the part of garlic that is responsible for the characteristic odor of garlic. There's actually research that shows garlic may help prevent and also shorten the duration of a cold. Now, that's believed to be because of garlic's antimicrobial properties that help your body's immune cells to fight microbes like bacteria or viruses that are invading the body. Now, I'd like to ask you a question. Do you like eating raw garlic? So if you'd like the maximum benefit of garlic for your health, you actually need to try and eat it raw. And I think many of you would be very reluctant to do that. And that's why I would love to introduce you to a very tasty sauce called gremolata. It's a tangy pesto type sauce made with fresh raw garlic, lots of fresh parsley, olive or sunflower oil, lemon zest, salt and pepper. 
And if you're brave, a bit of chili is welcome too. Now, how do you make this sauce? You combine three cloves of garlic that are finely chopped, one cup chopped parsley, half a cup of olive oil, or you can use sunflower oil, and then add the zest and juice of half a lemon. Season this to taste with salt and pepper. And if, like me, you like lentil soup, you would absolutely love it with a splash of gremolata. Just a tiny teaspoon per portion of soup is more than enough. Mmm, garlic is a must for me too. Thanks for joining us, Danae Vermeulen and Andrea Duplessis. For more great, proudly South African recipes, and of course, even more daily inspirational stories about the farmers and agriculturalists to go above and beyond to feed South Africa, visit www.foodformzanzi.co.za or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at foodformzanzi and use the hashtag FarmersInsideTrack. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story. We are drawing closer to the end of a yet another great episode. But first, our book of the week. Our farmers have selected lessons from an African entrepreneur by Ian Minto. In a YouTube interview, Minto talks about why he decided to write this book. Well, I've been in business for 16 years down in the Western Cape. And I have another business in Namibia, which has been going for nine years. Hence the name of the book, with an with a African connection. The book came about oh, almost two years ago. I got to Johannesburg Airport early on a, at the end of a business trip. Uh, I checked in, and with all the time, I just opened my laptop. And it was a crazy thing. Before I knew it, I started typing. And uh, I can't remember the flight home. And by the time I came into Cape Town Airport, I typed up almost 25 chapters of what was to become my book, which was an amazing <laughs> thing, you know. So that's how it started. A lot of small business people, men and women who start out, they don't have the skill set to get going in the early stages. They might have a good idea. They may come from an engineering background or an accounting background, and they're running with the skill set that they've got, but it isn't sufficient to get the small business off the ground you know, in the way that they want to. So there's a lot of hurdles that they have to get over. When I started mine, I bought a lot of business books, and I was just a junkie. I used to read everything, but it takes a lot of time, you know, and a lot of them are like textbooks. And for someone starting out, you need something which is a quick read, something that you can really get your mind around. And that's why the book on lessons is a, a book which someone who's wanting to start and do their own business will find very easy to read and they'll be able to absorb those lessons. Sounds like a must read for anyone who wants to start a new business in Mzanzi. Remember to email your book suggestions to info at foodformzanzi.co.za That's info at foodformzanzi.co.za and from our book of the week to this week's AMT Fresh Produce Outlook on the Markets, here's Dr. Johnny van der Merwe, an agricultural economist at the Northwest University. Thank you very much, Don and Duncan. 
As mentioned, I'm Dr. Johnny van Amerwe and this is your weekly AMT Fresh Produce Outlook on the Markets made possible by Standard Bank. To stay up to date with the latest prices and news, subscribe to the AMT YouTube as well as Facebook pages. Also make sure to tune into our live broadcast on Thursday 1 October at 4 o'clock in the afternoon when we will speak to a various number of experts regarding the future of the agricultural industry. With that said, let's see what happened to vegetable prices the past week. Although the potato price remained on its high level the past week, it decreased by 3% to 65.19 per 10 kilogram back due to volumes increasing slightly. Prices may trend up this week due to lower volumes and good demand, especially from the retail sector. High demand supported the already high tomato price to increase further by 6% to 9.38 per kilogram last week. There is currently a lot of lower quality smaller potatoes that is forcing prices down, but higher quality larger tomatoes are still receiving very good prices for the time being. The carrot price decreased by 4% to 3.20 per kilogram with higher demand and this week that may support prices to move slightly upwards. The onion price continued to decrease to 3.77 with volume pressure still affecting this market significantly. A slight market gap may however open up over the next two weeks which may result in lower volumes and prices to get some support as we are moving towards the weekend. However, for the next two or three days, prices may stay under pressure. Other vegetable prices traded as follows. Cabbages on 2 rand 43. The garlic price decreasing to 46 rand and 5 cents. Spinach on 2 rand 16. While the sweet potato price increased to 7 rand 42 per kilogram due to very limited volumes. The price is currently 139% higher than a year ago with volumes that is 47% lower. The cold weather had a significant impact on this scenario. The latest pepper price traded on 12 rand and 7 cents per kilogram. This week the fruit prices in general are expected to improve due to lower volumes and demand that is slightly higher at the moment. Although the banana price decreased last week to 9 rand per kilogram, it is still 68% higher compared to last year with lower volumes as the main factor supporting these prices and volumes slow to enter the market. The latest apple and pear prices stayed relatively stable and traded on 6 rand 71 and 7 rand 79 per kilogram respectively. The orange price increased by 5% week on week to 4 rand 64 with demand definitely improving this week while slightly low volumes is also supporting prices at the moment. Soft citrus prices are still very high due to very low volumes at the moment. The avocado price moved sideways uh, the past week to 19 rand 43 and is likely to stay in an upward trend for the time being due to volumes that may continue to trend downward. The table grape price decreased by 25% to 55 rand 81 per kilogram last week and will likely get some support over the next week or so as we are expecting slightly low volumes and demand that definitely picked up in terms of this industry. Logistical issues are still an issue for this industry. The pineapple price traded on 8 rand 67 with lemon prices increasing by 1% to 6 rand 34 per kilogram last week. To stay up to date with the latest prices and news in the fresh produce markets of South Africa, subscribe to the AMT YouTube as well as Facebook pages. Also make sure to stay tuned to Food from Zanzi for the latest in agriculture. This broadcast was of course made possible by Standard Bank.
Thanks, Dr. Johnny van der Merwe. Dawn, it looks like that's a wrap of another fantastic episode. But to our listeners, remember, if you love the podcast, share it with your friends, your family members, and of course, your fellow farmers. The Farmers Inside Track podcast is available for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Please stay safe out there and remember to always wear a mask. Also visit Food for Mzanzi's COVID-19 support page for the latest updates and information. From me, Dawn Numdu, Duncan Masiwa and the rest of the Food for Mzanzi team, have a great week. Until next time, bye. You've been listening to the Farmers Inside Track podcast, supported by Food for Mzanzi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za.